Welcome to a special edition of Cold Brew Podcast. I am Greg, and I am sitting down with Will Walterson from Catalyst Crafted Ales out of Tempe, Arizona. Now, for longtime listeners and Arizona craft beer fans, you will know Will from Ad Astra, the now defunct Ad Astra out of Prescott, Arizona. Pre- excuse me, Prescott, Arizona. And he moved down um, to Tempe and started a new brewery called Catalyst Crafted Ales. And he was, uh, I was lucky enough for him to invite me to come down. Um, before their grand opening, they've already had a couple, uh, they had a friends and family opening, a soft opening, and they are just about to get things running. They're going to have their grand opening soon. And yeah, they're going to, they just, when I was there having a conversation with them, they were installing their glycol chiller. So they're ready to brew. A lot of people are excited for Catalyst Crafted Ales, as am I. But before we get to the conversation, which I think a lot of people are listening uh, just for that, uh, just wanted to remind everyone that Cold Brew Podcast comes out every Friday. We have over 460 shows. You can find us on podbean.com as well as Apple Podcasts and Spotify. So and you can also find us on uh, Instagram, Cold Brew Podcast, and search for us on Untapped. So you can hear about what we drink before the show even comes out. All right, so without further ado, here is Will and I talking about beer. It all starts from the bottom, you know? Yeah, I mean, you work your way up. You were just a barrel man at the brewery like just a few years ago, right? Yeah, just uh, just trying to pave my way in the beer scene, trying to make some good beers. And yeah. Next thing you know, you bite off your whole brewery. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, man, um, this place is beautiful. Thank you. It was a lot, a lot of work, and it still has a little bit more work to do, but one day at a time we'll be there. Yeah, yeah. You guys haven't done your your grand opening, right? You just done a soft opening? Yeah, we're still getting all the brewing stuff set up. We're uh, getting the glycol wired as we speak and uh, trying to get, you know, every last little bit going before we start brewing, so it's perfect when we get going. Yeah, um, and how is it, like, you opened one up, uh, you opened that Astro in, in Prescott, and now you're opening Catalyst in Tempe. Like, the, is big difference between the two? I'd say night and day. I yeah. think it's the same, you know, tenacity and fervor that we had at at, uh, at Astra. But down here, we're, we're, we're with sharpened knives. We have all the tools that we need. This is like, a, this is a state-of-the-art setup, to say the least. So we modeled it after... Uh, Basically, when Renhouse, when I first started working there, they were on a 10 barrel with a bunch of 20s, mm-hmm. and I felt like that was about the size that I thought really, really worked well for what the beers that we wanted to make and the beers that I liked and, and some of the success that we all had together. Okay, so you took all the all the lessons from Ad Astra and then you applied them to here, right? Yeah, so we're bringing back a lot of the beers, you know, like uh, Dark Mexican Lager, which I think is something that is not made nearly enough in craft beer. It's hard yeah. to even find macro, you know, trying to find Bohemia Dark outside of Mexico. Mexico's become yeah. very difficult for me for research and development, obviously. But uh, <laughs> well, there's what, the Modelo Negra. That's really good too. That's yeah. one of the ones that we like. And then uh, even the Dos Equis has uh, amber, I think. So yeah, the dark. Yeah. They have a couple. Um, there's some competition out there, but uh, the one we really liked from the commercial side was the Ska Brewing um, Mexican Lager Dark. Yeah. 
very, very good. And the regular Mexican lager is really good. And it just goes to show that uh, Americans can make good Mexican lagers, too. <laughs> That's right. So uh, um, when, you, when you moved down here, were you nervous? Were you excited? A little bit of both? But I think it's both. I think it's just a, a change of scenery was definitely um, overdue. Yeah. We, we ran our course in Prescott, but being in Tempe is kind of being like, this is the San Diego of, uh, of Arizona. You know, this yeah. is where all the big breweries are. Huss, Shop, um, Four Peaks, um, mm-hmm. who's the other one? Fate. So, I mean, there's there's some big dogs around here. So we uh, we wanted to go where where the best breweries were and where people have the, the most uh, education on beer. And I'll throw a pedal house in there, too. So yep. uh, we wanted to go where all the big guys were so we could uh, see, how we, see how we hold up. Yeah. I mean, you guys are the new kid on the block, so you guys got the shine right now. And you gotta you gotta roll into that and yeah you know you hopefully uh, hopefully the spotlight's not too bright and we keep it forever so um, we're really excited so far we have some beers from uh, from Prescott that we made strategically to hold up until we were able to open so we have a lot of strong ales and stouts and seltzers yeah. and and sours and things like that not too many IPAs from us right now but I have an IPA example that I really want to show you that's really inspired us so um, all right look. What, what do you have? Which let's, one is let's it? Start with, uh, let's start with ours. This is the Johnny Boy. So this Damn. is a sour that we made for our friend from Prescott who's uh, who's in the hospital right now, and we just wanted to let him know we're thinking about him. So we uh, we did a blueberry lemon uh, blend, and it, uh, it came out pretty nice, kind of like blueberry lemonade. Oh, yeah, that's excellent. You got the blueberry. You got the little uh, tartness from the lemon. Yeah, we, we, we really uh, are happy it came out so good because it was a beer that meant a lot to us and uh, something that's only a one-off, and uh, we may not make it ever again. We may make more of it. It depends on how if people like it or not. You know, yeah. that's just kind of our style right now. Well, yeah, I mean, you, you'll know if people like it if you sell that right away. Yeah, <laughs> it's, been pretty, it's been pretty good. That one, uh, our first sour we did was a kind of a twist on the orange julius kind of something mm-hmm. that i've done in the past before that worked really good but it was tangerine and vanilla okay and no lactose so a little bit leaner but uh that one was our first beer to kick so we only did half barrel of it but it, it worked out really good people still like that kind of sour beer down here yeah oh yeah i mean just all across the board yeah. in the craft beer community people love the sours and the uh, the purees, obviously, yeah. but also the uh, um, the seltzers too. And I know you make a damn good seltzer. Yeah, we uh, we try and make seltzers maybe a little different than everyone else, but we want them to be uh, unapologetic in terms of that. Like if we make them a flavor, they taste like that, and it's uh, it's for the better. It's not we don't just put random flavors in there just to kind of just round it out. We yeah. we have a very distinct destination. We go with all of our blends. So. Yeah, I mean you ha- I mean you have like a, like a a goal. In which each of yours, like, like you said, you want to do a mimosa, like a brunch, brunch seltzer. And yeah, you did that one, and then also the, uh, and I, I've, I've talked about it before, and I'll bring it up again: the uh, cucumber, lemon, and salt. Oh yeah, yeah. That's that was be amazing coming back for sure. We've been yeah. we've had a couple meetings about that one because uh, that one's been kind of in the memory bank for a little while. It hasn't been out, but uh, I think it would go really good, especially even like right now. It's really temperate in Arizona for us. It's under a hundred degrees, so it's. Uh, <laughs> Beautiful right now. <laughs> yeah, it's it's the time why we live here. It's almost the uh, um, 
Well, it's just stout season. Yeah, it's, it's almost stout up. season. Nighttime is definitely stout season. Stout and cigar season. Yeah. But, um, I guess I'll move on to the next beer. But okay. this is, uh, so this is not from us per se, but it's from people that we really like and really respect. So this yeah. is from Beachwood Brewing. Oh, yeah. So they're in uh, uh, Long Beach and uh, Huntington Beach, Huntington. I believe. Yeah. So um, cheers. Cheers. Yeah, it was, uh, I was in Huntington Beach um, it was a couple years ago, and we stopped by Seal Beach because we, I mean, I hadn't seen the beach in like years, you know. Mm-hmm. I used to live in California. We could just go to the beach anytime we yeah, wanted to. Yeah, it was to. like a summer activity. Yeah, now that we're here, it, it takes some planning to go yeah, to the beach. And it's a full mission. Yeah, we went to Disneyland, took our daughter, and we're like, we got to go to the beach. We mm-hmm. have to stop by. So we went there. It was on a Monday, and, and Beachwood is closed on Monday in, in Huntington, which is a little disappointing, but yeah. I know them from... Um, the Firestone Walker Invitational Beer Festival, yep. and they're just amazing. They brew amazing stuff. So what is this one by Beachwood? So this is a new beer. I actually don't really know what it's called, but it's number nine. But it's the freshest Beachwood we could get, but it's a West Coast IPA. Oh, yeah. And it really stands out to me in the terms of the flavor of how it... It's not only West Coast. It's a very specific region of the West Coast. It's mm-hmm. like that San Diego, L.A., Orange County type of flavor where you can tell it's Pilsner malt. Maybe there's a little bit of... of wheat or something in here because it's got really good head retention and a touch of hop haze but the flavor is just so crisp it's not fruity it's hot yeah it's like it's not bitter but it's hot yeah it's it's it's, uh, unapologetic and it's smooth and it hits on the tongue for like two or three seconds and it just leaves you clean like almost like a lager in that Mm -hmm. sense so uh that's something that we really are working towards and one of our first ipas is the exchange variation so it'll be a rotating hop each time or group of hops Mm -hmm. where we can blend but the one constant is that it'll be a clear crisp ipa like this and it'll always be different hopefully every time you have it or if you like it a lot you can come back and try it and try it and then eventually it'll pop back into the rotation because you know we love our variety here always something yeah. different so um that's something that we're we're working towards it's going to be one of our first brews so i guess i should go over our first couple brews we're going to do a couple seltzer batches that are still uh I don't know if I want to let them out yet. But then after that, we're going to brew the Mexican lager, kind of okay. like Tranquilo from uh, from Ad Astra. So the dark Mexican lager style. And then American light corn lager, which I have not made in a really long time. So I'm yeah. really excited to go back and, and, and try my hand at it. But yeah, you got the glycol chiller going. So yep. yeah, there it is. So we'll have we'll be able to go low and slow on our lagers and, uh, and, and get them just the way that we like them. And then after that, we're going to be doing... Uh, a hazy IPA called Expects and Checks, and then um, our exchange variation. But those will be our two two first IPAs. So okay. we're really looking forward to them. We got some really fun, interesting hops, and uh, we've been trying to do our best due diligence on uh, on getting the best ingredients for out the gate, so people can try. Really, really, what we're focusing on a lot is those those dry hoppy beers. Yeah. Are you are, are you guys going for a specific type of beers or just try everything and see what people like and brew those? Well, we feel like we have a really good range here. So there's 
without being punny, uh, we don't really fear any beers. We could make pretty much any style that we want. So mm-hmm. whether, you know, right after those beers, we're going to be making a humongous barley wine because we've had some really good success making barley wine. Oh, your flight wave is yeah. fucking phenomenal, man. In, in terms of competition, flight wave is like, uh, it, it's it's head and shoulders above uh, of what we thought it would be. So we're really happy that it's that it's hit on so much. And it's uh, it's been rebranded into the Mobility Scooter, but that's okay. the one that we entered. But it's the same recipe, just a little bit tweaked, a little tweaked a little bit, but... Um, uh, it's it's a really really fun beer, and we actually have the Mobility Scooter right here. So oh no kidding! Was, yep, this was the gold medal winner for specialty beer at the Arizona Craft Beer Awards. So. Oh, it's got a great dose. Yeah, nice caramel, bready. Mm-hmm. You got a. Um, it's very like clear too. It's not like a a, a dark opaque type beer. You can yeah, actually see through polished, it. Very polished, you know, and it has. Um, a nice little khaki head on it too. Um, oh yeah, that's that's got some great flavor in it. And it leaves you where it doesn't leave you flavorless at the end, but it gives like this almost Werther's like caramel flavor at the end, and maybe a touch of like candied hop, like kind of bitterness astringency, but not too much. Very very restrained. No. And it uh, it just tastes so good, and we're just really happy that. Um, that the judges felt so strongly about it because we really feel strongly about all of our beers. So yeah. anytime we can get someone to agree with us, it uh, <laughs> makes us feel justified. <laughs> this is great. And, and, you know, I came in and I, uh, you have two big, huge screen TVs right now. And, of course, you're playing football because it's a Sunday. Oh, yeah. And uh, I love the fact that it's red zone because that's my, that's my go-to jazz, my jam right there. I, yeah. I came in with my phone. I was going to put it down on the bar and watch red zone. I look up. I'm like, oh, okay. I don't got to do that. Yeah. But are you guys going to, um, like, when there's no sports, are you going to play movies or? You know, I don't really know. I think it's something where. Uh, Chai TV, the pr- people like that. Yeah, some people do. <laughs> Proudly, it's out of my hands. So, I oh, mean, okay. we, have, we have our tasting room specialist, Craig, and his team on it. So, um, I think that no matter what it is, there'll be something on there for everyone. And I'm sure if it's, uh, if there's something, like, we might do movie nights and stuff like that. And I've already talked about trying to host a Sopranos trivia and, oh, and get man. some activities to people in here. So. I, 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 on the way here, I had a, a, a like, a, not an epiphany, but just a, 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 a thought that you should do for you. You need some of your, your social media person to follow you around and then slice your your commute into work uh-huh. and then the, do it yeah, yeah and okay. do a soprano style yeah you might be pretty cool you might have to divert so you can see some like you know you go past sun devil stadium and yeah, you go down go mill through, like, you know Tippy Town Lake exactly and all that stuff. yeah i think that'd be a cool clip i need to talk to dan about that so yep we'll uh we'll put that one for sure in the bank so we can have a little promo video yeah because i mean you, yeah i know you're a big huge sopranos fan you got yeah. your tanks named after a bunch of different sopranos yeah so it's all the uh the jersey crew so obviously Tony uh, Silvio Christopher Polly uh, Junior Furio Bobby and Richie so no rats just all all made guys <laughs> all captains and guys like that so did you um, did you watch that many Saints yeah I, I saw it I was uh, a little disappointed I thought they kind of ruined Junior's character but uh, a, a little bit yeah <laughs> but it was kind of cool to see I thought it was uh, cool um, to see a lot of there was a lot of like nods and stuff to the old show for and sure I, I 
I thought Bernthal was really good in it. Oh, so Leota was fucking fabulous. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and that was some of his last work too. You yeah, know? Cocaine Bear, I think, was his last movie. Yeah, that was. <laughs> <laughs> I, I thought that movie was uh, entertaining. To it say was the fun. Least. Yeah, it was fun. Yeah, I don't but... know if it'll win an Academy Award anytime <laughs> no. soon. But... <laughs> Might win a Razzie, but that's yeah, about for it. For sure. But anyway, so yeah, the Sopranos theme going in. That that's, yeah. that'd be kind of fun. I think it would be super cool because we got some industrial areas. You know, drive past the milk plant and stuff. You know, <laughs> that's right. So uh, I'll have to I'll have to definitely get on that. But um, yeah, man, I'm just uh, I'm just excited that we have so much good stuff going on right now. You know, like right now we're doing a, a, a dog costume contest for Halloween, and yeah. uh, the proceeds go to help. Um, I don't know the exact name of it because I'm that hands off this kind of stuff. I'm more mm-hmm. recipes and, and brewing at this point. Yeah, but, you're more uh, behind the yeah, behind I'm like, the I'm like the back of the house, yeah, right? I'm like uh, the Wizard of Oz. I'm the man behind the curtain now. <laughs> so. Um, but it goes for a great cause, and it's partnering with the animal hospital that's right next door to us. I was about so. to mention them, yeah. So if you guys ever, you know, have a dog or cat that needs to spay or neuter or just a checkup, it's a great place to go, and you can stop by and have a beer in the meantime and bring your pup. Yeah, exactly. You, know? you guys are pup-friendly, obviously. Yeah. You have an outdoor area. Yep. So, And then we also have a really good food program, too, which is spearheaded by Enrique and Salt Tacos. So I was about to bring them up, yeah. Yeah, they just started expanding their menu a little bit. They got the Oyster Shooter, which is my personal favorite little mm-hmm. snack, if I'm going to go for one. Uh, Wait, where are they? So it's just salt. But uh, They have, like, a little corner, but are they, like, they have a food truck or is it a restaurant? They were, they were a food truck. So okay. they were a food truck, and we were looking for someone to do a brick and mortar and team up with us. Yeah. So they just fit in perfectly because of their... Uh, their attention to detail, their their kind of cavalier recipes. Mm-hmm. They're, they're really, really over the top in terms of flavor. And when you have beer like how we make, you already know it's it's hard to, to match it with food. But we feel like we picked the perfect people to do it because the octopus tacos, the uh, surf and turf burrito. Uh, I mean, I could go on the, down the list and down the list, and it's it's hit after hit after hit. It's like a yeah. greatest hits album. But uh, <laughs> it's it's one of my favorite foods that I've had in Phoenix in terms of Morisco's Mexican food. Mm-hmm. But to have it right inside your brewery, it just it just takes it turns everything up a little notch. It brings yeah. up our game a little bit stronger. And Enrique's obviously bringing a lot of new recipes to the table and some very good innovation himself. Yeah, I, I saw the the, the menu. It just it, I. I ate before I came because I wasn't sure what the food situation would be because yeah. I think the last time I was here I didn't see that over there the salt yeah you were still, we were still under construction back yeah. then you got a little sneak preview so mm-hmm. now it's fully operational and it's uh, it's been a it's been a really big hit we've had a lot of people tell us how good the food is so it's um, and they have some and fries they have like loaded fries oh yeah the loaded fries they got yeah. like you know you can do octopus fries you can do shrimp fries whatever protein you want so but yeah, but uh, plus they have you know they have the regular beef and stuff like that oh too. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Not the carne just, asada uh, and the chicken. And yeah. I, I really feel like his carne asada is up there with just about anybody in the area. It's kind of really hard to, to do bad carne asada. Yeah, in my know, estimation. Yeah, anyway, no, that's for just sure. Me. Well, you got to start with good product, and that's like you yeah. know how we make beer. You got to have that those those nice cuts of meat, the good marinade, all done in house too. So yeah. you know we're not going uh, anywhere else and having them marinate it. We're we're all do, we're all handling that in house. So it, it just gives you more of an 
intimate connection with the, the food. And then the nice thing for me is, is we want to start doing maybe like a supper club or something where no. we could have like curated meals that go with beers that match them. And and uh, as we start getting into more of our experimental and fun stuff, it'll only be more and more of a relationship with Enrique's food and my beer. Well, I remember that too many uh, similar words, similar sounding words. At, at Astro, you had that uh, Oktoberfest uh, food pairing thing. Uh, and that's when I first, I don't know if it was the first time there, but I know I went up there. First time I met Elena was at that thing. Okay. And then uh, um, we, uh, um, I just like the, the whole idea. So maybe it's kind of like that, or maybe you have like a, a dinner. Like yeah. a whole, like a like a five course meal, with, I think and every be something more like that because it, it really uh, the best thing we can do is showcase what Enrique can really do in the kitchen. Uh-huh. So uh, I think he's doing a really good job of where he's at. But for us to have something private and intimate, we both have to step up our game to you know where I'd have to come up with some kind of a really cool beer to go with uh, the flavors that he comes up with. But us getting together and collaborating on that is kind of what really drives our industry. And that's what this whole brewery is built around. Is, 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 is he a beer fan? He's a really big beer fan. Yeah? <laughs> yeah. So he's um, he drinks a lot of the same beers I do. So okay. Bohemia, uh, Pacifico, uh, Modelo. And then he likes more of the dark stuff, too. Like, he really likes our porter that we did with Smeltertown. Uh, oh, okay. And he likes, uh, like, Guinness and stuff like that. I haven't gotten him into the big stouts yet. It's a little bit, um, a little bit rough on... Um, very big beer, so it's hard to drink a lot of them, but he'll sit down and he'll drink anything with you, you know? But uh, he prefers easy-drinking Mexican-style lagers. Yeah. yeah, like dark and light Mexican lagers, so that's something that's been a huge... Uh, something that I've done a little bit in the past, but something I've been working on, doing my due diligence on it. Because if we're going to have traditional, delicious Mexican food, we need to have a traditional, delicious Mexican lager. Yeah, you, you would think anyway. You have to. It's a must. <laughs> it's a must. So. You know, something, uh, um, you, you're talking about the, the corn lagers. Uh, one of my favorites is actually the um, El Soli. Okay. By 20, 21st Amendment, that's I really a really like good that one. one. Yeah. yeah. I'm not saying you should do a clone, but that, that, that could be an inspiration. Yeah, and I mean, that was, um, to me, it drinks a lot like a cream ale in some ways because of the way that, uh, it reminds me a lot of Genesee. Yeah, that oh, beer okay, yeah. and El Soli and that. So, I mean, I've, I've, when we were in Ad Astra, we did the um, uh, Atomic Gold. That was like our cream ale that we had, and that was kind of what we modeled it after was the LCD. Mm-hmm. But we didn't obviously use a lager yeast. It was just an ale yeast. So now that we can use lager yeast, I think it's it's going to be moving to something like that. The other one we had that was really good was from Lazy G. Travis made this blue corn lager yeah. that was really, really, really good. And um, it's just something you don't see a lot in did, craft did, did beer. The blue cor- did the blue corn add like a, a color element to the beer? Very, very light. Like okay. it was just like a almost like lavender like hue but you could you had to look for it you know okay. it was like it's like everything in a lager it's very nuanced you have the magnifying glass to pull it out to, <laughs> okay. to see and taste it I, 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 I didn't see it so that's why I'm asking you yeah yeah no you showed me his mash his whole mash was purple though yeah because yeah it was all like you know really really deep blue corn that he got I think from um Green R&D or Sanagua, one of the local guys. So okay. Always cool to be able to work with those local ingredients, too. Yeah. Yeah, but you can't do it, like, 
primarily or no uh, all Wilder- the time. Wilderness, that's their thing. It's all the time local. So yeah, there's that's uh, tough to do that though. It is, and I mean, it takes a certain level of commitment. And I mean, they're so. To me, I like that brewery and respect them because they've always stuck to their guns. Mm-hmm. They've always done what they do, and they're big. They're almost like a lifestyle brand, you know. So, okay. Um, yeah. It makes sense. It makes sense that they would all use all local, and then they're all into the water conservation and stuff too. Which oh yeah, that's good too. Yeah. yeah. And I know that, uh, with Ben down at uh, um, was was the Crooked Tooth. Crooked Tooth. Yeah. Yeah, he's a water guy. guy. He's, he's a water. Uh, he he came from the water side. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, we just got our uh, we just got our new water system in here. Proudly, uh, yeah. it's, uh, first time I've gotten to work like with this level of a RO system, but it's uh, it's really really cool. And uh, I might have to get Ben up here and pick his brain a little bit because that water style of stuff to me is very new. Yeah, I'm more of a fermentation specialist, so getting into some of these more nuances of building the whole cake, not just putting the decorations on it, really. Yeah. Uh, really helps me and it's uh, it's always fun because I love beer because it seems like there's always something that you can learn like it's always like this never-ending journey of, yeah. of, of knowledge if you're uh, if you're chasing it so I'm, I'm unfortunately always chasing it so <laughs> it's always nice to we're always trying to come up with new ways like you know different water profiles and stuff now especially where we can uh, showcase what we want in our beers more and more because it's the main ingredient in beers water yeah know? right you use the most and, but it's kind of like like that, uh, you, you keep seeing you chasing it. It's uh, kind of like that old axiom, like when the dog catches the car, the car tire finally, like what the fuck does it do now? Yeah. You never want to catch it. If you catch it, then like you yeah. might as well move on to the next thing. Yeah, seriously. And I think it's, it's one of those things where I think that's why a lot of people are, a lot of really good brewers at least, they're, they're always... They're consistent, but they're consistently trying to get better yeah. and consistently changing for the better. So sometimes, you know, you'll have a batch like, oh, this is different than it was six months ago. Hopefully what came out of that is that it's better or it's cleaner or it's uh, it's more to what uh, they're trying to show with the beer. You know, mm-hmm. it's like a, a always changing thing until I guess you reach perfection, which I've never done. But <laughs> well, you, have a, you have a big enough system now where you can actually start like... Distributing, yeah. Is, is that a, a something that you get out of? Or we're, we're looking at doing some very, very uh, selective distribution. It would be to people that um, that have helped us and and, and worked with us and, and worked close with us. So we have a handful of accounts that used to buy really consistently from Ad Astra. So yeah, that's really where we want to start. And then uh, obviously maybe moving into a different packaging format, like uh, uh, bottles more, mm-hmm. cans more. Or maybe uh, sleek cans for some of the seltzers and, and, and trying to do more stuff like that in terms of getting it to the market. And even if we get it to the market inside of our tasting room, uh, the cans get out there and we want to have, we want to make sure that the, the product that's in the cans is set up in a way that uh, it's going to represent this brewery five days from when you buy it or if you leave it in the back of your fridge for two months and you come in for Christmas and are dying for a beer, it still tastes good, you know? Well, not only that, but also if uh, um, a couple of years from now and they buy the same beer, mm-hmm. like, oh, I haven't had this in a while. You want it to say, taste the same as we want it he to, did yeah, before. Yeah, we, we want it to respect, like, the, the concept and, and the process that we have. The consistency. So, you want yeah. to do, you want to make sure you have it dialed in. Yeah, and that's the, the big thing is, is, um, 
I think our taste buds change over time too. Oh yeah, for sure. And I don't know if it's our taste buds or, or what, but there's certain beers where like I remember, and there's going to be a million different opinions on this. Like 2013, 2014 Bourbon County, man, it was so good. It was such a really oh everyone good beer. loved 2014. That's when everyone that was like the peak, yeah. right? It was. I remember it came in a four pack too. So you had four bottles, and you, it was like 18 bucks or something. It was something ridiculous. Jeez. And then uh, cheap. <laughs> yeah. Really ridiculously cheap. Yeah. Very cheap. And it was a really good beer, but it was just you know you had to line up because it wasn't as blown up. And then they switched to the new bottles, and they had the kind of like the contamination thing, and then kind of got kind of lost control of it. And I I tried one recently, and I it just didn't taste like the same beer. Like, okay. It didn't. Um, for me at least it didn't honor what I had the last time I had it so yeah also in 14 I got the vanilla rye which was probably one of the top 10 beers I've ever had in my life so yeah it was I've, that, I've heard that it. variant was like the that was the variant to have variants and I was super lucky to get it when I did because I was in the very early stages of beer drinking beers like that at least yeah and it was just an absolute it's just like you don't know what you had you know <laughs> Well, I had a, just the other day, I, I opened, oh no, last year, I went to Firestone Walker, so it was, oh no, earlier this year, in, in June, right? Yeah. And I took a bunch of old beers that were in my cellar, and one of them was a 2015 Roman County Brand Stout, and that was aged beautifully. Oh, wow, good. Yeah. That was, that was that a was, really that was good. That was a coin flip beer, because there yeah. were some ones, there were some of those that were... A little iffy. On that one, yeah. Mostly the coffee, though. It was the coffee? Yeah, okay, the coffee yeah. I, was I most of the, them. I think the Regal Rye had some issues, too. But. And, and some some of the, the standards did, but mine didn't. You lucked out. But yeah, we lucked, lucked out, out, yeah. That's good, man. But that's yeah, I started looking in my my cellar, and it's like, dude, I started collecting beer back then, because that's when this podcast was kicked off. Mm-hmm. I wasn't really into beer. I like beer, but I wasn't into beer like I was because of it. So, like, yeah, and I still have... Uh, Flight wave. I have all three flight waves. Wow. Because uh, I, I remember because I, I, I got in on the with the launch pad thing. Yeah. And so I got two of each. And, and of course I, I tasted them at your place so I already knew what they tasted like. Yeah. And so I have my I had my six. I gave three of them away. I gave one of each away. Okay. And I kept three, so I saw three. Yeah. And I, in, in two or three years I'm gonna open them up. And hold see on what to they that white like. wax. That white wax to me is the that's that's like probably the best beer I've ever made. The cuvee? Like, yeah. Okay. Really, really good. It tastes re- someone brought a bottle in. And I opened it privately, definitely not on premises, but I opened it privately, and man, I was blown away, blown okay. away by how good it was. And I mean, you know, sometimes when you do those blends, you just kind of go off the cuff, and you're like, this sounds really good at the time, but man, it's held up really well. It's aged aged really, really well. Are you going to do that? Are you going to do that with, with Catalyst? Yeah, so what we want to do for our first beer is we're going to bring Flight Wave or Mobility Scooter or Horace, or we had a couple different names for our barley wines up there, but we're going to bring that back for sure, and we're going to have um, uh, a very, very uh, big batch of barley wine as one of our, our opening beers, and we're going to put all of it into barrel. Okay. Now, we haven't decided on what barrels we want to do. We're thinking we've seen some really good bourbon barrels that, you know, bourbon barrels and me are like best friends so we love <laughs> bourbon barrels uh, we love what they do we yeah. like old bourbon barrels we like young bourbon barrels we like you know just alligator char but uh, using those 
using the barrel as a, as a uh, ingredient component is something where we approach beers maybe differently than other people because when we're planning a beer like this barley wine that's in it's in question here we're planning on putting it in barrels so we're already thinking of well we're going to have x amount of beer so how many different barrels can we get this in so we can get more of a complex blend out of it right so we're like when i was at the brewery we did this thing where it was uh the anniversary beer was called bois or sucre they named it after things that you get for your birthday and like i don't know it's like things in french or something every year okay. it's a different one so it's paper cotton uh copper you know oh, all these yeah, different yeah, things yeah so, in french yeah. uh so we really like that recipe and how they did that. And there was not only that, we liked the concept of it where they would put it in different barrels. So they did one where it was tequila barrel, one where it was rum barrel, one where it was rye barrel, one where it was bourbon barrel, one where it was cognac barrel, one where it was Jeez. brandy barrel, yeah. one where it was port barrel, one where it was um, uh, Madeira barrel. I mean, there was like a, and then they did a French oak variant too. So, and they released them all at the same time. So you had to buy all these different crazy bottles, which was really good marketing on their part because yeah. you don't want to miss out on any, right? And then they aged really great. So I had one maybe like two years ago and it was tasting really good. And they came out in like 2013. And then the different flavors, it was like an educational experience where you're like, mm. okay. I like tequila, but I don't really like tequila barrel-aged beers, and that's just speaking for myself. I've, I don't know, it's just maybe something I've never gotten to have a really good example of. The rye was insane. The bourbon was insane. And you can go down the list, the pour, you know, all the ones that you liked. The one that stuck out to me was the, they had they did one in a, a, a new French oak punchin, and French oak punchins are what they use for making wine, so they're one of the most expensive barrels that you can get. They're, oh, they're wow. handcrafted, they're made in in of, of aged wood from France and it's a certain type of wood a certain type of oak so it's more porous and it's it just ages differently and it has a certain like I compare American oak to more like sawdust yeah this is more like sunflower seed it's oh. like a very nice like light kind of toasty yeah. wood flavor so that was the one that really stuck out to me but if we start doing barrels like that it would be really cool and then to blend them together where you know maybe you do like uh, some more exotic stuff or, or cocktail takes on, on beer and, and seltzer for that matter too wow that's that's pretty that's that's deep that's a lot of, that's a <laughs> yeah. lot that's a lot, a lot of, of shit man. Yeah. no you're fine uh, I was going to mention to people listening that, yeah, the Flightways was a barley wine that you have you have three different uh, so maple bourbon yeah. uh, peach brandy and then we did a blend of the two with vanilla and cinnamon yeah and that's the cuvee yeah and that and one was uh, man, that one was, was good my, my favorite good was the peach uh, was the peach um, the peach one uh, the maple bourbon was was good. It was a little sweet, but uh-huh. you know, but some people like that. I'm not saying that any of them is any less. Yeah, is all totally subjective. But maybe in uh, maybe after it ages a while, maybe I might like the cuvee better. Yeah, and I think it's just one of those things too, where it's like that's what's cool about having barrel aged beer. It's like you know, not everybody's gonna like it. It's gonna be like kind of it's like a little piece of abstract art, you know, where mm-hmm. people if they get it, man, they can really see what you're seeing. But you know, sometimes you can get someone in here who's been drinking beer for 40 years and they just still to this day that's just not their thing they never they never could quite see that schooner in the yeah. background of the <laughs> of the photo that's awesome but um, you know it happens <laughs> oh that's fucking great um yeah man so hey I'm, I'm, you know I've been a big fan of, of yours 
I'm a big fan of yours. I appreciate that since the beginning, but you, you produce something that a lot more people enjoy than mine. <laughs> so. Well, I think it's subjective. I think you're, I like your, you guys because you guys get to have fun and you're doing what you love. Yeah. And I think that's kind of what we're doing here, too. You know, we're just kind of taking something that we already know that we like and then trying to make it, uh, make it for everyone, make it... Um, make a place where people could come and drink really good beer and enjoy a game and you know sit down and oh I can have six different beers that are totally different styles like yeah. we like that range um, I think it'd be a miss if we didn't uh, end this thing or at least uh, talk about uh, football a little bit oh yeah that's a so, must that's a must what's uh, um, man that the Bears the Tyler Bajan man what do you what do you think T-Bag uh, uh, I think that the, the the jury's still out. He's no Brock Purdy. Not yet. I mean, but, uh, even um, Brock Purdy's not Brock, Brock Purdy yet. Yeah. He still needs a couple more games. Yeah, so, I mean, he's um, he's a really good prospect. Uh, he's a smart guy, uh, athletic guy. Uh, His backstory is crazy. Very crazy backstory. And he's a, he's a good team player. It seems like the locker room likes him. Yep, yeah. So, I mean, it's one of those things where it's like he knows his role. He's there to win as many games as he can while Justin Fields is gone. And then after that, it's in the general manager and the coach's hands what they want to do. I personally still like Justin Fields a lot. I don't know what his status is going to be, if he's going to be coming back for another year with the Bears or if the Bears are going to go a different direction. Well, you, you saw what he could do on the, the, that Thursday night game against Washington. Yeah. It was amazing that He game. played really good against Denver, too. Yeah. So they ended up losing the game, but it wasn't his fault. No, it wasn't. Um, so, I mean, they know that he has the talent, but is, is are the Bears really the team that can, like, develop this talent? Or is it more like a team that's like Minnesota or, like, where they have a quarterback that's in place that they want to transition out of maybe in the next year or two. So I think that... Uh, I, I think it's the coach, man. I think it could be the coach, too. I would really like, if, if it were me and I was in control of the Bears, I'd keep the general manager because I like him the way he operates. So far, so good, yeah. He's made He made one bad trade for Claypool, but ever since then, his trades have been pretty flawless. Yeah. Um, the big thing is, is that you're going to have to move on from Iberflus. And I'll bring in Ben Johnson, the offensive coordinator of the Lions. Oh, okay. And wow. So you make the Lions weaker, and then you make yourself stronger. So it's mm-hmm. a double double whammy there. And he's a very creative play caller. I feel like him, Shanahan, and uh, McDaniels in uh, Florida, Dolphins McDaniels, yeah. not not Raiders McDaniels, <laughs> are very, very good <laughs> offensive minds. Uh, and I think that they're kind of in a different class. They're like kind of in Sean McVay, young, mm-hmm. quarterback-driven, system-driven uh, play caller. And I think that the NFL is moving more towards that young uh, coach, player-coach kind of play caller. Yeah, innovative play yeah. caller. So if the Bears do that, I think they'll be on the right track. I'm not writing this season off, but uh, well, as yeah. long as Carolina keeps losing, we'll <laughs> right. have control over the first pick in the I, draft. I think so. I think Houston's got the the one one point right right now over them. Okay, if, so if, we need to go CJ Stroud. But, yeah, no um, kidding. Yeah, but uh, yeah, because they have two picks. Um, whether they're one two or like one seven, like yeah, one they're gonna, seven, they're going to be really they're going to be really strong picks. And not only that, this is a generational draft class in terms of. There might be two franchise quarterbacks picked one and two with yeah. Caleb Williams and Drake May. Marvin Harrison Jr. is a generational wide receiver. Brock Bowers 
But is the, probably the best tight end that I've ever seen play college football. Yeah, then we have like Penix and Bo, yeah. Bo, Bo, Bo Nix or something yeah, like Bo that. Yeah, Bo Nix. And then, I mean, Joe Alt for Notre Dame, the offensive tackle. He's he's a guy who's, you draft him and you don't have to worry about the tackle position for the next 10, 12 years. So there's a really high-end loaded draft. So of all the drafts to have draft picks in, this is the one that you want to have them, and you want to have them high. So, yeah. uh, oh, so the Panthers won today. Oh, they pulled it out. But yeah, fifteen, wow. thirteen. I wouldn't have guessed that. No, they they did win, so it kind of Vegas is it. happy. <laughs> no shit, uh, <laughs> I didn't put any anything. I, I picked the Texans in my pickups league. That's about all I put yeah. on the sex on the Texans today. Yeah, so it goes to show any day in the NFL, you never know who's gonna win. Right now, who do you think is the uh, the favorite to win the Super Bowl? In your estimation, Vegas has their odds, but the team to beat right now for me, and and it's really tough because there's a lot of really good teams. Uh, yeah, I think obviously if you discount the Chiefs, you're full because they keep winning and they don't. It seems like they just keep getting rid of good players and they just keep doing and what they're doing every. They just they're boring, but they win. So yeah. you know, and, and they turn it off in the playoffs because it's yeah. all, turn it on in the playoffs and that's what you really need yeah um i think that also another team to really watch uh is the dolphins i think that the dolphins have had some struggles lately but you could see what their team they're can do when, when they're healthy that team's very explosive mm-hmm. and they're missing both their starting corners right now so um that also is a factor yeah um, on the defensive side yeah uh, the bills are another team that have started kind of a little shaky out the gate, but uh, Josh Allen puts his team in a position to win just about every single time. Yeah, I'm trying to think of another one that's that's really really up there uh, in NFC teams. Oh, man, I might have to pull out the playbook to see who's really good, but the Eagles obviously are. Yeah, well, uh, the Eagles, the Niners, the Cowboys. The Niners, yeah, the Niners. I think are are kind of as long as Christian McCaffrey's healthy, mm-hmm. the Niners are kind of the team to beat. Yeah, uh, they've been. They lost two in a row, but they have the uh, um, the Bengals today. That would um, be an interesting game. Yeah, I, I think shiesty. so too. Even though, and I, I I I talked this I talked about it on my show with my brother. I'm like, you know, even if they lose today three in a row it sucks but you, you get your low in the middle of the season that's fine you want to get hot late you want to yes, get hot late exactly you know you get healthy you get hot and then you win you know if detroit didn't just get the crap beaten out of them by baltimore i'd really want to say detroit because they looked yeah. so good for so long but i don't know it seems like either jameer gibbs gets fantasy points or they win the game so uh it was weird that he was there. He had really good numbers, and he was, they were using him yeah. well, but it just wasn't enough to keep up. I mean, you got to talk about Baltimore. I mean, Baltimore oh, yeah. with Odell back, with Zay Flowers, with... Um, they always make the playoffs. You can write them off. They always make the playoffs. They're going. They're going. They're going to be in the race. That's for sure. Yeah. So, it's a. Uh, it's a lot of a lot of really good teams. Speaking of which, speaking of uh, Baltimore and Harbaugh, what would you think if Jim came to the the Bears? I wouldn't want him. No. Um, okay. I feel like, to me, uh, as a Notre Dame fan, I'm not an Ohio State <laughs> fan. I'm not okay. a Penn State fan. Uh, I just don't really like him that much. I think that he's uh, kind of an asshole. But yeah, uh, I was about to say abrasive, but okay. <laughs> he's he's. But he, you know, you have to kind of have that attitude. I think he has an old school attitude, and this is a new school NFL. He has kind of mm. that uh, John Gruden kind of I feel like yeah. kind of mentality. And I think it might work a lot better for college students than professional union athletes. So uh, 
he's he's done very well at Michigan, but now I'm even starting to question that because he's had some stuff come out about him and stealing signals. Have you heard oh, about that? No, I haven't. Okay, that's new well, I'll drop the bomb on you. So uh, from what one person that's an insider, they said it makes Spygate look like nothing. Like they were going, they were sending a guy to every single opponent's games to get their signals. So beforehand, they would have the signals. Oh, and you then, know, I saw a headline, but I didn't click on it because I thought, I thought it was clickbait. clickbait. Yeah. yeah. So uh, then there was some more research that came out where all these teams from the Big Ten told TCU, make fake signals and practice practice and use fake signals and use signals from that you used to use during the season but change them for the game and they beat them in the playoffs so oh, wow. I don't know if there's any truth to it but it certainly makes a good story yeah but, it does uh, <laughs> uh, I don't I don't know I like uh John Harbaugh, the Ravens coach. I yeah. like him. I think he's pretty cool. I liked him when he was the Eagles defensive coordinator so many years ago. Or no, he's not even defense, special teams coordinator, sorry. But um yeah, I don't I wouldn't want Harbaugh. I want Ben Johnson. I'm kind of like stuck on the Ben Johnson okay. bandwagon. Or uh, maybe somebody from from the Dolphins organization wouldn't be the worst idea. You know, you want to take take coaches from teams that are uh, that are good. Yeah, no, the so winning, winning culture. That, yeah, that. I saw a crazy picture the other day, and it was sideline of the Browns, and it was Johnny Manziel celebrating, and his offensive coordinator was Mike or was uh, um, Shanahan, and his. Uh, quarterback coach was uh, the LaFleur? guy. No, not Lafleur. The guy from, or maybe it was, I don't know, it was somebody else on the team. They were both on the sidelines. Um, McDaniel's, Mike McDaniel's. Oh, okay. Mike, Mike McDaniel. I'm yeah. like, man, this guy had literally two of the smartest coaches in the NFL. Maybe before they were here, but they still had it. Yeah. And I guess that's what happens when you don't read the playbook. So. <laughs> yeah, you're too busy thinking you have the natural talent to do yeah. it. And that might that might fly in high school and college, but not not in the yeah, NFL. Not in the NFL. I mean. Yeah. The last person to even really even come close was Michael Vick, and he was just on a totally different level of athleticism than pretty much every other player in the NFL's history. So, oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, there's one in a million that can do it. I bet you if DK Metcalf didn't pay attention, they just throw him go routes. But <laughs> there's a, a handful of guys that can do it. Randy Moss, you know, certain guys. But yeah. Most of us have to go out. Dion. And, uh, yeah, Dion's one of them, too. Yeah. Most of us got to go out and be like a Wes Welker, Julian Edelman, or, oh, you know, yeah, somebody the work. like a, you know, like a, a Max Crosby, where they're like a very good like effort player. Yeah, you know, you're playing oh, yeah. with your he, heart. Yeah, Max Crosby's so fucking great, but it's not because he has skills, because he just doesn't stop. Dude, he has the highest motor I've ever seen on a player Dude, ever. He never ever, stops. Ever he since, never stops. Ever since the uh, was it that uh, uh, Hard Knocks? When I saw him on Hard Knocks, I'm like, this guy's got it. Is he? He has it. He's insane. He's yeah. absolutely an animal. All right. Anything? Anything uh, you'd like to add before we uh, close out here? I just want to say uh, that uh, thank you for having me on your show, Greg. Always, man. Welcome to Catalyst Crafted Ales, and I hope that uh, hope that everything uh, meets your specifications, my friend. Oh, no, man. I, and I invite everyone else out there who likes craft beer or likes tacos or, or just is interested to see the space, come on by. We'd love to have you. Yeah. Uh, Tempe, Arizona, Broadway. Broadway, McClintock. That's right. All right. Thanks, man. Thank you. Cheers. Cheers.